Hey guys, welcome back to Some Sanity with Morgan Zeggers. I really appreciate you guys tuning in for another episode. I do want to apologize for last week. Uh, I was feeling really under the weather and couldn't get myself to to sit in front of a camera and a microphone for that long of a time. So we had to take a little... um, undesired break, I guess we could say. I really enjoy doing this. So thanks for tuning in to another episode. Today, we're going to get right into some current events that are going on. I am all into this stuff. Lately, I've been going on Newsmax a lot more. And when I do that, I don't know if you guys understand the process of like the behind the scenes, basically an hour before they send you uh, a few links that they want you to discuss. So the topics of the links and you have an hour to prepare and an hour to get ready and go on to talk about it. And I really do love analyzing the situation, doing the research. And even though it's a little sped up and you don't really have much prep time, I do love to do the analysis and then provide uh, a thoughtful evaluation of it. I don't want to just go out and spew the same talking points. And so it's almost like a fast paced version of this podcast because I don't have much time to really prepare, but it is really fun to have the challenge of, of being a thought leader and not saying what everybody else is saying, but instead bringing a new uh, aspect and a new approach to the table. And I always challenge myself to try and do that. And I hope you guys do that too, instead of falling victim of, you know, the usual left versus right Twitter wars that we see. (laughs) It's so annoying. Um, So I have a few topics just again, crazy week. I mean, this is a crazy time for the country. So of course there's plenty to talk about, but I feel like this week's been extra weird because so many things have been happening, uh, across the spectrum. I mean, we had the Oscars, we had, uh, new numbers come out for the census. We had new um, regulations come out for coronavirus where kids are now being forced to wear masks. All this crazy stuff. It's exhausting to keep up with, but we have to keep up because a vigilant population, vigilant? Vigilant. Sorry about that. A vigilant population is so important for the future of the country to remain secure and safe and um, strong. So let's get started. Uh, First, I want to talk about, uh, oh my God, this one's annoying. (laughs) I saw this. I was following, I follow KFC Barstool. I think that's his Instagram. Uh, He's from Barstool. He does like a one minute man. And I saw this and I was just listening to it like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, why does this have to happen in America? Um, But nevertheless, I looked it up and it it truly did happen. So a New York Post article by Asia Grace is titled, quote, Elon Musk's upcoming SNL hosting gig causes outrage among stars. (laughs) And I, I can't believe it, you guys, but it really, like, they are actually mad. And I love Elon Musk. I thought he was more of, like, a guy in the middle that was loved by all because he's sassy, he's fun on Twitter. Uh, Apparently not. He's an evil rich guy, too, according to the left. And so the article reads, uh, quote, Must tauntingly confirmed his upcoming MC gig, tweeting, quote, Let's find out just how live Saturday Night Live really is. The polarizing tyke... Uh, the polarizing tech tycoon boasting a net worth of approximately 179 billion dollars oh that's a lot of money punctuated his cryptic post with the grinning devil emoji to let his 52 million twitter followers know he means business but saturday night live quipster bowen oh bowen yang seemed to have hoped that musk's social media memo was nothing more than a bad joke what the f does this even mean he posted in an instagram story with a picture of musk's tweet so basically some like stupid comedian that i've never heard of i really who is this guy bo and yang he tweets what the f does this mean he's 30 years old by the way 
Uh, A.D. Bryant, another SNL person, called statistics about billionaires a moral obscenity and was sharing a bunch of billionaire uh, or anti-billionaire tweets from Bernie Sanders onto his social media. And then a writer turned trooper, Andrew Dismukes, who's 25, he joined in saying on Instagram, quote, only CEO I want to do a sketch with is Cher E. Oteri. I don't think I'm pronouncing that right, but it's, it's basically an SNL veteran. And so he's literally saying he doesn't want to do it with any CEO. And this automatically, I mean, this is quite Marxist behavior and language to attack somebody just because of how much wealth they have and then make it into this like disadvantaged argument. Um, I thought it was funny though. So Yang, Bryant, and Dismuke's social media posts have all been deleted. So all of these whiny 25, 30-year-old children, really, comedians, then had to delete all their tweets, probably because the people at the top were like, shut up, this guy has 50 million followers. We need people like him to promote us and come on our show and help us grow, you absolute idiots. Why do you need to do this? And we see that all the time in uh, corporations and businesses across America where the people at the bottom, like the BuzzFeed people, remember this? The people at the bottom, they try and they try and rise up and they try and complain about certain things and they end up being told, Stay in your place. You are a staffer. You're an employee. You have no idea how the business structure works, what it takes to survive and to make money to employ you and for us to continue to grow. Do you want to have a job? Do you want us to be able to pay you? What are you doing? They're so self-destructive. And I was so annoyed by this because you would think that somebody like Elon Musk would just be welcomed because he's funny, he tweets funny things. And I was even looking into it, and not only are they mad about how much money he has, they're also mad because I, like in early March he, 2020, he was tweeting funny tweets about the coronavirus. Guess what, you guys? Everybody was at that time period. And it's just ridiculous that we're going to make fun of what people said in early March when back then the leftist politicians were the ones making fun of us for trying to wear masks and trying to protect ourselves. They were saying, go to Chinatown, don't be racist, all this stuff. It is insane. Speaking of which, you guys, look what I added to my podcast, a little thing. We do want to say to people, come to Chinatown. Here we are. Sorry, uh, Owen taught me how to have like one of those roadcasters that have the audio buttons. And so I, I added some buttons and one of them is Nancy Pelosi in March, 2020. Remember when all the lefties told us that we were racist for calling it China virus. We were racist for apparently being worried about a potential pandemic level virus. And so we were saying we should stop travel from the country where the virus was sourced from and they were calling us racist for it. And so Nancy Pelosi goes to Chinatown, brings all the media and is surrounded by humans in like mid-March and she's like don't be racist come to Chinatown everything is fine the Republicans are racist so I love that I added a bunch of buttons I wonder what the other ones are I added them with stickers let's see oh I kill a communist for fun (laughs) okay I had to add that one um let's see So yeah, that's kind of that. I'm just really annoyed by this because they're mad that he apparently just has money when all of Hollywood has massive amounts of money. And what's frustrating to me, the billionaire's statistics that he's sharing, that one of the people was sharing, calling it a moral obscenity, uh, 
I don't know if this guy knows this, but 90% of world poverty has been reduced over the last 100 years, and that's all attributed to the advancements of society from classical liberalism and capitalism, and it's the left that are continuing to advocate against those, and to get rid of those concepts in our society would be bringing us back to the archaic old ages where many, many people are living at destitute levels. Of course, we have poverty in America, but that's not reason to take away money from others. I really don't care how much money the billionaires have because so many people are thriving in America. The The lower middle class, the middle class, and the upper middle class are really what, what matter here when we're evaluating the state of a society. Our poverty levels are so incredibly low compared to other countries. We need to be thankful for that and then figure out how to fix it and be there to lift people up. We should not be saying that we need to just attack the rich instead of solving the real problem, which is lifting the last uh, small percentage of people who are living below the poverty line. We have to lift them up. So it's just really disgusting, jealous Marxist behavior coming from these SNL privileged comedians. Uh, number two, what happened? Oh my gosh. I feel like we should get a little countdown thing. You know how CNN counts the deaths for the pandemic? Well, they used to do that when Trump was in office. Um, Kamala Harris, 35 days ago, folks, 35 days ago, I guess now it's like 36, was put in charge of the border crisis. Of course, we can't call it that when we're talking to the Biden administration, but it's been 35 days since she was put in charge of the situation at the border and she has yet to go. Why is she saying that she hasn't gone yet? Coronavirus people, she can't go there. It's dangerous. Wait, but she's traveling all across the country at the same time to all of her different places. She has just refused to go to one specific area, the southern border. And it's because it's all about optics. I really hate to, you know, upset anybody that might be a little naive, like welcome to American politics, baby. It's an industry. It's all about optics. And the problem here is that she's put in charge of it. And it reminds me of Veep. I don't know if anybody's seen that, but Veep is a really funny show. And basically, the president would put the vice president in charge of projects he didn't want to handle. Ugly projects, bad optics projects that you really couldn't avoid. He would make her go in order to avoid having to go himself, avoid having to put himself in everything. Because when Kamala Harris goes... Every picture, every video of the crisis at the border will then feature Kamala Harris with it. And that's going to be an amazing graphic. And it's going to be amazing video footage for us to use. It's going to infuriate the American people. And it's going to tie her to it. Her showing up at the border, Kamala Harris showing up at the border, means that she not only has to witness it, which will be one thing. I, I hope that that really scares her straight. She's going to have to witness the crisis at the border. She's going to have to acknowledge the crisis at the border, and she's going to have to own the crisis at the border. She's going to have to own it, baby. There's no rejecting it once you arrive. And so I think that's exactly why she's not going. It's all about optics. But I could say this to you guys a million times, uh, all the people listening, I feel like we're all on the same page here of how infuriating this is. The problem is that there are millions of people out there that are naive, they're, they're well-intentioned, they assume the best in people, I'm sure, and they aren't really caught up to the industry of American politics yet. And so I really do think this kind of hypocrisy, this level of hypocrisy of 35 days into leading this, she's not there, boots are not on the ground, her little converse, you know, she's famous for having all of her like active converse sneakers when she shows up off of her private plane, well... I don't know. She can't put those converse on and walk down to the border and really get uh, down and dirty there. It's really sad to see. But I think it's going to infuriate Americans across the country who are seeing these terrible uh, 
videos and the pictures of what the kids and even the adults are experiencing. I mean, that footage of the two children being dropped over the border and then abandoned were so sad. I saw another of uh, a little boy speaking Spanish to, I think he's talking to a border patrol agent. He ran up to him and he's like, please help me, please help me. I've been abandoned by my group that I came with. And he's just walking alone on this dirt road. Y'all, I'm in Texas and it is hot, okay? I don't know, the people watching this can see the lighting in my show is definitely a a lot more toned down because the lighting in here gets really hot outside. It's really, really hot and humid. I've never spent a summer in Texas before, but it's already getting pretty hot. And I, I feel terrible knowing that just a, a couple hours from me, there is true suffering going on and, and children are just walking out there with no water, no food, no nothing because the Biden administration is incentivizing parents south of the border to send their children on this dangerous adventure without them. Oh, I shouldn't say adventure on this dangerous experience without them. So shame on you, Kamala Harris. Uh, I'm gonna, <laughs> I should find some way to like in the video footage to like keep a tracker of how many days it's been since she's gone. Hopefully by next week she will have been there, uh, but I wouldn't put it past her to not go. Moving on, number three, census numbers are out, folks, okay? Census numbers are out every 10 years. This is in the American Constitution. Uh, We have to count the population and then divvy up uh, the representatives for the House of Representatives. There's a total of 435 split between the states. And then there are, of course... um, Uh, the electoral college digits. So that should be fun to see. The numbers are out at least in terms of uh, what we're going to be divvying everything up based on. This is fantastic, okay? So let's see the numbers here. Uh, a, A Yahoo News article by Professor Dudley Puston Jr. titled, quote, Census Results Shift Political Power in Congress Presidential Elections. It reads that, quote, the seven states that each lost one state in the House. Oh, the seven states that each lost one seat in the House as a result of the 2020 census are California. They're going from 53 to 52. Illinois is going down from 18 to 17. Michigan going from 14 to 13. New York going from 27 to 26. Ohio going from 16 to 15. Pennsylvania going from 18 to 17. And West Virginia going from 3 to 2. Ooh, that's sad. Okay. The six states that gained one or more seats after the 2020 count are, I feel like I'm at a Miss America pageant, are Colorado moving from seven to eight, Florida got one moving from 27 to 28, Montana going from one to two. Oh, good job, Montana, moving up there in the world. Uh, North Carolina from 13 to 14, Oregon from five to six, and Texas, wee, which gained two. Texas is the only state that gained two seats, and I'm proud to be a part of it, baby. We're moving up from 36 to 38. I love this because Oh my gosh. I love the fact that Texas has more seats than New York, baby. That's what's up. Um, I'm so happy. I moved to Texas in October and it's been fantastic by New York. Um, people are looking at this and they're like, okay, what's the deal? What does this mean? You guys, the house seats are split up to represent 
the people, the mentality of the people. More people are in the states with the mentality that cares about freedom, that cares about liberty, that cares about individuality, and not some groupthink collective like we see in New York and California. I'm honestly surprised that they only, those states only lost one seat. Uh, California and New York, I'm and Illinois. I'm surprised they only lost one. New York, though, has been losing seats for a while now. I remember back when I was in high school and college, I, I can't remember what year this was measured, but in a span of 10 years, we had already lost a million people. And so that was just fantastic to see because, I, you know, it's sad that they're leaving upstate New York. It, it is sad because that is a more conservative area. But at the end of the day, people like me, we moved to Texas and Florida because we finally want to be able to live out our values and be represented by people who share our values. We're sick of being in the super minority. We're sick of being ostracized. I mean, Governor Cuomo, oh baby, he's the one who would literally look at the camera and say, if you are a conservative, you're not welcome here. They say that stuff. So I'm sick of us appeasing that and saying, no, it's worth it for us to stick it out because it's our hometowns. No, guys, come on down to Texas. I'm telling you, I'm in a great place. I'm in the hill country and it's just as beautiful as upstate New York. I have just as many outdoor hobbies and even more. And now I feel like I am truly able to live out my values and I feel represented and heard by the leaders in my area. I also love the aspect of Texas of, of local government. They have great, strong community and local governments. My move here has been very easy, even during coronavirus, it's been very simple. Meanwhile, in New York, moving out can be a hassle, applying for certain uh, permits and applying for things is a hassle. And we'll talk about that a little bit later of uh, right now, the Supreme Court is hearing a case that started in New York State about limiting people's ability to carry a firearm outside the house. We'll get into that later, but at the end of the day, what we're seeing now is three new members of Congress who are going to carry the mentality of a Texan, of a Floridian, into the halls of Congress. And I think that is awesome. I'm so excited. And at the same time, you know, of course it is sad because it's a little nerve-wracking to know that people could be moving from these states who want to escape the, the results of liberal and leftist policies, but they aren't aware that it's the leftist and liberal policies making their lives so bad in those blue states. So they're going to move here. They might turn these areas purple. They might vote the way that they used to. A lot of people are making that assumption that that's going to be the case. I would first of all say that so many, I bet you, are going to be like me, where they left that state because they are strongly rooted in their values as a conservative, or at least somebody in the middle who just respects capitalism and classical liberalism, and they want to be able to live out their values and not, and they just completely see that they don't align with the way the left is going these days. So I think they're moving here to be able to live out those values. We shouldn't ostracize them. The other thing is that it really relies this is all going to depend on how not only like the GOP and the party infrastructure, but how do the individuals and the organizations and and the people of Florida and Texas and other conservative states, how do they welcome the people? How do they make sure that the people moving that might lean left, that are fleeing a blue area, but might still lean left and vote in a Texas election, leaning blue, leaning to the left, how do we reach them with the information that they need? How do we welcome them with open arms and show them why Texas and Florida are so good? That's going to take work on our end. And I mean, one example, I'll, I'll tell you this. So I moved to Texas. My sister still lives near my family in upstate New York. She is similar age to me. And so she is also looking at apartment prices, you know, doing the usual young 20 something stuff. She asked me if uh, she's considering moving somewhere else. And so she, she asked me to send my expense 
report for uh, like monthly expenses. And so how much in rent, how much in utilities, how much in all that stuff. And I sent it to her and she replied and she's not as into politics as I am. And she was like, why, why is Texas, why is it so cheaper there? <laughs> and I was like, oh, you don't, you don't get it? And she, she was like, no, why, why is it like two thirds the price at, or less for you to live down there? I don't understand. She truly had no concept of what it means to live in a red versus blue state. All she'd known was New York for her whole life. And so that was a great conversation that we had just looking at the different utilities, looking at the price of rent, me explaining like square footage, the fact that my Texas apartment, two bedroom wraparound porch on the top floor Resort pool, I'm looking at it right now at my window. Resort pool, garbage treatment, everything. Like somebody comes to my door and like picks up my garbage every single night. It's amazing. Like the the aspect of living down here. It is cheaper for me to live here with what I just described than it is for me to live in a one bedroom shack in upstate New York with maybe like an eight, 1980s apartment, a tiny box window in the middle of some crap downtown. So quality of life has been a lot better for me here. Thanks, Texas. Okay, moving on. Number four, the Oscars happened and you guys, I didn't even know it because I don't give an F. I don't give a crap. I literally do not care. It's kind of funny. The <laughs> I found out that the Oscars had just happened because I was about to be on Newsmax. And like I, like I mentioned earlier, I think, uh, they basically send you a list of items that they want you to discuss like an hour before you go on. And one of mine was the Oscars happened last night. And I was like, eh? That's what that was. I, I knew that there was like an award show or something. It's all the same to me. I, I literally don't give a crap. And so, yeah, the Oscars happened. It sucked. And I literally had no idea about it. Uh, I read an article and this is from the New York Times bashing how bad the Oscars was. Uh, so that says a lot. The article is titled Oscars ratings plummet with fewer than 10 million tuning in. And it reads, quote, for the film industry, which was already fighting to hold its place at the center of American culture, the Nielsen ratings for Sunday night's 93rd Academy Awards came as a body blow. About 9.85 million people watched the telecast, a 58% plunge from last year's record low. So last year was already a record low. And I'll show you some of the numbers next, but it dropped more than half just from last year. It's insane, but it's exactly what we need to see. Just like how we saw these blue states that are leading in a terrible direction. They're losing people because people are voting with their feet. They're leaving. Same thing with what we're seeing with the Oscars. These people need to learn their lesson, baby. And that is why they're seeing this massive drop in ratings. So if you look, I looked this up and it says in 2014, so what, like, Mm, six or seven years ago, 2014, 43.7 million people watched the Oscars. 43.7 million. By 2020, that had dropped almost again by half to 23.6 million. So 2014 was 43.7 million. 2020 is 23.6 million. And now in 2020, this year, it was only 9.8 million. You love to see it. I'm sorry. I have no, you know, I have no empathy for them. I really don't care. They need to learn not to bite the hand that feeds them. They survive, thrive, and make all their money on 
us being consumers of their content, us being consumers of their lifestyle, of the things that they produce. And at the same time, they're calling us terrible names. They clearly hate us and they have no intention of hiding their disdain for us or our values as basic conservatives. And so it's no surprise at all that we're not interested at all. I mean, I didn't even know it was happening. So I I think it's important for us to obviously say, okay, we're not going to watch. We don't care. We really don't want, don't mind. But my bigger concern in this is the easy thing is for us to kind of make fun of it, right? The easy thing is for us to say, oh, we don't care. We're not going to pay attention anymore. The problem is that so many people still do pay attention. I mean, you know, 9.8, 10 million people still watch these ridiculous award shows. I have a feeling it's not because 10 million people are super movie addict, you know, nerds into like being super interested in it the way I'm interested in history where like we know all these weird facts and we care about who wins each category. I'm sure there is a small uh, group of people that care about that stuff. But at the end of the day, it's because so many people in America idolize celebrity culture. We idolize these people just because they're on the big screen just because they're in media just because they have a lot of money and a lot of followers it's not something that we should focus on but unfortunately it's become so deeply rooted in our society to respect people based on those factors so we can easily be like oh they hate us we're not going to give them our time of day anymore but at at the same time we have to understand they still have millions of followers and a lot of them are young people they have millions of followers on social media they spread their misinformation on social media and they talk absolute crap about us all the time teaching our children that we are evil and that we're horrible people and they honestly the people in hollywood are not the best you hear about what they do you hear about the drugs they do you hear about the lifestyles they live it's not good it's not something we need to be admiring or hoping that our children idolize and that's the exact problem that we're facing so i was thinking about like i don't have any kids but when i have kids one day I want to make sure that they aren't taught to follow in the footsteps of people before them who idolized celebrities and idolized celebrity culture and basically chose to respect and focus their attention and their consumption on people and individuals just because of how much money they have, just because how many followers they have uh, or what they do on the big screen or just because of the fact that they're famous. That is not a good reason to idolize and look up to someone. And so I hope that you know my kids don't end up being little fangirls of anybody in uh, Hollywood. I, that would be so sad to me. I want to make sure that my kids respect and admire people based on their moral character and their courage. And so finding uh, good role models for them, both, you know, in their everyday life that they can be around that like average people that are in their life and people that they can look up to in the hit in present day or in our past, that's going to be really important and showing them what it means to respect someone and to look up to someone instead of just saying, oh, they have a lot of followers. They're in movies. So we must respect them and idolize them. And we must look up to them all the time and give them all of our money and watch all of their movies. No, we're not going to comply to that in the Zegger's household, baby. Sorry. Let's see. Uh, okay. Moving on. Let's see. Florida and Texas are open and other states are making even more regulations. This one is so sad. Oh my gosh. Okay. So basically we're seeing a lot of, 
um, confusing messaging coming from the left, right? They, they're telling us that now that we're vaccinated, we, or we all have to get vaccinated. Now a vaccine's out. We all have to get vaccinated. If you want to get back to normal life, remember we had this one woman who said this. Because otherwise, if everything is reopened, then what's the carrot going to be? So that was her talking about how we can't do much unless people get vaccinated. We have to tell people that the vaccination is exactly their ticket back to freedom. Okay, hello. Thanks for telling me how I can get my freedom. I saw a bunch of articles actually too saying, oh, the CDC has announced that fully vaccinated people can now go outside and not wear a mask and be around people. Is that a real headline? I I was like, what? I'm reading it. And I'm like, "Uh, are they really putting out a headline? saying that they now allow people to go outside. That's how insane it is in some states. I've been here just living my life in Texas. I mean, I go to my workout class every morning. I hang out. We have been just living our lives. I can't tell you the last time I wore a mask inside of a Texas store. It's ridiculous that people in other states have to go through this. And I do respect federalism, but dang. Um, so it's, it's just really confusing because there's a lot of weird messaging going on by the left where they want us to get vaccinated they want us to comply with these new rules but at the same time they're completely contradicting themselves by saying oh no well maybe we also have to continue to wear double masks if we're vaccinated so kamala harris uh, this is an example kamala harris did an interview with dana bash they're both vaccinated and they still on tv are sitting 20 feet apart from each other not six like they've always told us this whole year not six feet 20 feet apart from each other on television when they're both vaccinated. What kind of message does that send from the Biden administration, the Biden-Harris administration? What about Biden? He's getting a lot of criticism right now because he ran out of the White House building. Nobody's around him, runs yards and yards and yards and yards, and he's just running and running, walking, running, walking, running. And it's like, why did, what is going on here? He's wearing a mask the whole time nobody's around him he's running to a podium outside where everybody is socially distanced and he has a mask on he is fully vaccinated what kind of message does that send from the biden harris administration joy reed oh my gosh joy reed on her show she decides to tell all of her viewers that she's fully vaccinated. She says she like joined the Pfizer community or whatever. She's fully vaccinated, but wears a double mask, a double mask to run outside in the park for her workout, but she's fully vaccinated. This is some of the dumbest crap I have ever heard in my lifetime. But here, here's the thing, you guys. Why would we be shocked by this behavior from the left? There's that old saying, right? Of like, when somebody shows you who they are, believe them, believe them. It's like a cheater. It's like in a bad relationship. When someone does certain behavior, don't make excuses of like, it'll be different this time. Like it's only just one time. When it's repeated behavior, someone is showing you who they are and you need to believe them. Kind of the same thing with the left right now. When have they been pro-science in the last year in the last five years they continuously take the anti-science approach some examples they literally told us that it is women's empowerment and women's health care to be able to abort a child and stop their heartbeat kill them up until moments before birth that's apparently the scientific take no it's anti-science and it's the left's take on abortion What's another one? 
They say we have endless genders. Endless genders. And if we don't call somebody the desired pronoun that they have, what do they say? That we're hateful and bigots. That's an anti-science take. An anti-science take to the gender conversation. And it's the take of the left. What's a third example? Ugh. This week, and especially during Earth Week, the left decided to tie climate change and white supremacy. Climate science and white supremacy are now rooted together. Another anti-science take from the left. So am I shocked now when their response to coronavirus is completely anti-science? I'm not. I'm not shocked at all. This is expected behavior because they've shown time and time again they will continue to take the anti-science, anti-common sense approach to policy and leadership. And it's not just dumb, it's dangerous at this point. I'm seeing right now there's reports that students in Washington, D.C. at summer camps are now going to be forced to wear masks. Where is it? Oh, no, it's, it's near D.C., but it's in the Montgomery County of Maryland, right next to D.C., Bethany Mandel, she tweeted, in Montgomery County, MD, summer camps have been required to follow CDC guidelines on kids in masks. Ages two and over have to wear masks at all times at this summer camp, except when eating and drinking and swimming in and outdoors. DC is called the swamp for a reason. This is a straight up safety issue. I completely agree. It's insane to me. In Michigan right now, they just passed a law literally just passed, or not a law, literally just put out another requirement that children between the ages of two and four will now have to wear masks at all times. Children two to four. Dr. Fauci was just asked about it on TV. Why are we making kids do it when they are not affected by coronavirus, when they've pretty much been proven to not be impacted or be spreaders? And he goes, well, uh, it's because the kids are outside and it puts them more at risk of where coronavirus could be. And yeah, they're out where coronavirus is, so we have to protect them. What? The scientific take was that Masks don't protect us. They protect the people out near us who could have a particle from our mouth go out and hit them. They aren't protecting us when we wear masks. I thought that was the scientific take. But now they're telling us this. I feel horrible, though. Like I said, I go to my workout class every morning. It's like dozens of us in the same room. We do our workout class. Nobody wears a mask. And then we leave. We go about our day. I have a very normal life right now. So many people here do in this state and in red states. And to know that there are children in blue states like Michigan being forced to wear masks two to four years old, it like really breaks my heart that that is their day-to-day life. I can't believe it. You guys, the parents there, the people, the families there, there's a better way of living. Get yourself out of that situation. You don't have to comply. You don't have to do this. Make a decision for you and your family. Get the heck out of there. That's my take on it. On top of that, Texas, when they opened up in March, no masks, opening up full 100%. What did Biden say? He said it was Neanderthal thinking. It was basically the 2021 version of basket of deplorables from our lovely Hillary Clinton. But he called it Neanderthal thinking. What do you know? Texas has had record low numbers since fully opening in March. Record low numbers. This is the proof that we needed. It's exactly the proof that we needed to say, 
uh, F off to all of the bureaucrats that are trying to shut us down, that are trying to make us stay compliant. I don't care anymore. We need to take the big DeSantis energy, you know, like BDE. It's kind of a dirty term. I'm so sorry about this. But I was thinking big DeSantis energy is something we all need to take into our lives and adopt because we are on the side of truth. We're on the side of science. We are the righteous people on this take. We are righteous in this and we should have no shame in trying to open up, especially when this the results of opening up are record low numbers in Texas. So shame, not on us, shame on the left for continuing to do this to innocent Americans and making them comply. And honestly, shame on the Americans who are willingly ignorant on this, who are willingly just staying quiet, hanging out at their homes, fine with just staying in lockdown until the end of time. I need more people out there to start standing up for themselves. It's never going to end unless we start speaking out and acting. Now mad. Okay. Let's see. Do I have any more? Oh, yeah. Okay. Last thing, you guys. This one, I got a little going on Newsmax when I was asked about this one. Um, An NBC article by Pete Williams is titled Supreme Court to Take Up Major Second Amendment Concealed Handgun Case. And I want to read a little piece of the article here to give you guys a good understanding of what this situation is. So the article says, quote, the case is the first time in more than a decade that the court has agreed to take up a central issue of the gun rights debate, something it has consistently ducked since issuing a landmark ruling in the D.C. or yeah, in the D.C. versus Heller in 2008 that the Second Amendment provides an individual right uh, to keep a handgun at home for self-defense. So this was about keeping the handgun at home of, for, of individuals. Uh, the court agreed to hear a challenge that a New York state law that allows residents to carry a concealed handgun only if they can demonstrate a special need beyond a, desi- a general desire for self-protection. The law makes it virtually impossible for the ordinary law-abiding citizen to get the necessary license, Paul Clement, a lawyer representing the challenger, said. So to get a permit to be able to carry a firearm, even for self-protection, Outside of your house in New York State, you have to do this whole application process with the government bureaucrats of New York State to get approval for it, and you need to have a special reason. What the hell is a special reason? Let's find out. So one of them, Robert Nash, said that he wanted to carry a gun in response to a string of robberies in his neighborhood. Seems like a normal reason, okay. Another, Brendan Koch, said he also cited a desire to carry a gun for protection. Okay, personal protection, that makes sense. We have a right to live and not die if we're attacked. Uh, Both men said they had completed gun safety courses, but were turned down when they applied for permits. So they even completed gun safety courses and became educated. They educated themselves so that they could be... uh, law-abiding and proper gun owners and they were still turned down when their reasons were totally justified to be able to carry a firearm so they joined a lawsuit challenging the law uh brought by the new york state rifle and pistol association so uh i remember them from when i was in new york this is what was so funny i go on newsmax and they had a constitutional um lawyer who was a guest as well. And we were all allowed to ask him questions. And my question was like, wait a second, what justifies a special purpose, a special reason for why I should be able to defend myself? Would mine work if I was like, uh, hello, I'm 
five feet tall and a hundred pounds and I want to live, if I'm put in a situation where my, my life is being threatened or if I'm potentially raped, this is my equalizer. This is my ability as a young, tiny woman to be able to live if I'm put in a bad situation. I deserve that as a citizen. That's a natural human right to be able to defend yourself. It's a second amendment right. It's constitutional. This is ridiculous. And so I ask the guy this and he goes, actually, that's not exactly going to guarantee that you will get this. In fact, the danger is that it's on a case-by-case basis determined by government bureaucrats. I don't like it. I don't like that one bit. I don't trust faceless bureaucrats. I never have, never will. If you look at the situations in countries like Venezuela where the left gained power, the socialist regime gained power, and then they never left, it's because they grew the size of the faceless bureaucracy. I didn't want Joe Biden to become president because guess who's leading him? Faceless bureaucrats, faceless actors that we can't hold accountable in his administration. We don't know who is manipulating him. We don't know who's leading him. He was asked a question as he was leaving his press conference and he was asked some questions and he's not supposed to stay. He never stays to answer questions, but he finally did. He ran back to the podium and you could see how nervous he is. It was so weird. You see how nervous he is and he's like hesitating to answer. He's really unsure of himself. And then he's like, listen, I, uh, I can only take one more and then I'm going to get in real trouble. And it's like, who's going to get you in real trouble? You're the leader of the free world. Who is going to make you get in trouble? Who are you being held accountable by? Which faceless bureaucrat is leading Joe Biden or is it Kamala Harris? I don't know, but that's why I don't trust the faceless bureaucracy because look at this. Now, just all of a sudden, I could apply for self-protection for a permit to be able to carry a firearm in my purse because I'm the one, I'm the young woman who walks around at night and tries to get to my car in the middle of a parking lot and it's not really well lit. I'm the one who's in parking garages at night alone. I'm the one who has to get myself through dangerous situations, and so many millions of other Americans do this that are in my situation. It shouldn't matter like how tall or how much you weigh or how big you are. Everybody deserves to be able to take care of themselves, not just you know frail young women like me. And I feel so bad for the young women in New York State who do this. And it's kind of perfect timing that I went on Newsmax for this because earlier that morning, I had read an article from Emma J in Future Female Leader. Shout out to them. I actually used to, in high school, used to love them. And now they're still going strong and I think it's awesome. And I just love to see the arc of their their success. Um, but Emma J in Future Female Leader, she literally wrote an article that said, I'm a rape survivor and my gun is my equalizer. And so at the same time as this brave young woman is writing this article, people in New York State are being told that they don't have a good justification for carrying a firearm just because their reason is, you know, self-protection. Who needs that? So I don't know. Would it work if I said my justification is that I want to live? Is that a good reason? I don't want to get raped. I don't want to die. I don't want to get killed just because I don't have a way to protect myself. And the criminals who don't follow laws are going to have a gun or some form of of violent means no matter what. Maybe that's a good reason. I don't know. So I'm really excited to see what the Supreme Court does on this. We have a strong situation on the Supreme Court right now. I heard that they had been waiting to take this case because they didn't want to do it when the numbers would have been unsure. They Because, I mean, if this doesn't go the way, then the Second Amendment is, like, really screwed. So uh, I heard that Thomas is 
had been waiting for a moment like this to be able to hear a case like this because now is the time. So I love a good balance of power. I love a good check of power. That's exactly what we're seeing with the justice system right now where the Supreme Court is stepping in, hopefully to provide justice and return the constitutional rights of New Yorkers who are being put through this ridiculous permit process. Uh, you guys, I'm going to check out now. Thank you for listening in. I hope that my rants on all of these uh, made you a little more aware of what the heck is going on this week. Thanks for tuning in. If you have any questions uh, that you want me to answer at the end of podcast episodes, just DM me on Instagram, baby. Thanks for tuning in. I love you all. And remember to leave a review if you haven't. Subscribe if you haven't. And remember, there's a video version of this on YouTube. Whoop, whoop. Okay. Have a great week. Love y'all.